Wait, what am I saying? <laughs> You're listening. Oh. Right. You're, You're listening, listening to. <laughs> You're listening to discourse. 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 From, from from NPR. NPR. Amaranek Public Radio. I'm Sailor Garcia from Amaranek Public Radio. Our guest today in the studio is high school counselor Robert Shorts. He is quite an active member in Amaranek High School. Mr. Schwartz is always walking in the overpass in between classes, performing his usual hallway counseling. He is always calm and collected with whatever he does. Along with Ms. Carrillo, he leads Peer Leaders, a program where upperclassmen walk to the middle school and teach 7th graders about what they can expect when they get to high school. He also runs a transfer orientation program for students. This is for new students to get paired with a current student to be shown around to their classes and around the school. I asked him questions about how he grew up, what he was like in high school, and his interesting jobs before he became a high school counselor. I asked him what has been one of the most memorable moments in his career as a counselor, and Mr. Shorts tells an amazing story of a student he once had and what he left behind that Mr. Shorts continues to have in his office today. Here's our conversation from Wednesday, October 16th. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button. Thanks for listening. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at Mamaroneck High School. Okay, so I'm a school counselor here at Mamaroneck High School. I've been here at Mamaroneck for the last eight years, and previous to Mamaroneck, I was at Kennedy Catholic in Somers for 13 years. I've also heard you used to be a football coach. Yes, so when I started my job at Kennedy in 1999, they needed a JV football coach, so I... um, took the position and did that for eight years, which was very fun. And then in the eighth year, the, G- the varsity coach left, and I was asked to do the varsity team, and I did that for three years. And that was uh, very time-consuming, but uh, very rewardful, and I enjoyed it. And then I've also heard you used to be a private investigator or something related to crime. My undergraduate degree was from CUNY John Jay in Manhattan, and at the time, Rudolph Giuliani was the mayor, and he recruited 200 graduates from the, from the college, John Jay, and we began investigating welfare, Medicaid, and tax fraud in all over New York City. And we would go out and do field visits and knock on people's doors. So it was uh, exciting, intense, and a little crazy sometimes. What made you go from having these different jobs to wanting to become a high school counselor? I was doing that type of work for about four years, and then I met a woman at the time who was a guidance counselor. And as we got talking and got to know each other, it seemed very interesting what she was doing. So I went back to school and gained my master's in guidance and counseling and got hired at Kennedy in 1999. All right. So let's talk about what you were like when you were in high school. Do you really want me to be honest here? Yeah, I do. High school wasn't a good time for me. Um, My father passed away when I was in 10th grade. And at the time, Nourishal High School was only 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. So from the time that he passed... Um, I didn't really have much motivation to, I, I mean, I went to school, but grades and academics weren't very important. So I, I got through. Um, I wasn't really active in the school. The biggest thing I was doing, I was working in a gas station actually down the block from the high school. And I started to become friends with a lot of Iona College students where Iona College was right down the block. So I started hanging around with more college students. So my high school life is very not um it wasn't much enjoyable or fun, but I did experience kind of the college life while I was in high school. What was your counselor like, and did this have an influence on you and how you do your job today? Not at all. 
So I graduated high school in 1986, and I may have seen my counselor one time each year. And that was for scheduling and if you got in trouble. I also drove a, mo a motorcycle to school, and at the time, my helmet wouldn't fit in my locker. So I would just drop it off in his office every day, which is kind of the only, the only similar thing that has carried over where students come and drop some stuff off in my office now, um, whether it's big art pieces or sporting equipment. I would say that's the only carryover that I could re recall and remember from my, my counselor back in high school. All right. So from what you said, I'm assuming that when you were in high school, you did not think you'd be a high school counselor. I think in my high school yearbook, I put as ambition to become a famous sports broadcaster. No thoughts about coming into a school system at all. Recently, have there been any common issues that students have been going to you about? Um, I think the most common issue, and maybe they don't come with me, but the underlying reason is a lot of anxiety and just students being overworked. Right. Um, you know, I just so happened to be talking to a student now. I said, when do you sleep based upon everything that the student does and what most students do now? Um, it's just they're overscheduled and I really don't understand how they get everything done. It's amazing to me. Do you think that's different from when you were in high school? Definitely. I mean... Everything has crept up sooner, you know, where kids took their SAT and forget about the ACT. That wasn't even something students took back when I was in high school. SAT they would take in maybe the end of junior year, senior year. But, um, yeah, with social media and the access to all the information, students are learning things earlier, um, good and bad, as similar to the school where we use the Chromebooks and the iPads. I think in another five years we may go back to chalkboard and, you know, and chalk just because it's becoming just too distractible and just too easy to get information, I yeah. believe. So do you think computers are a problem in the classroom? If I had to weigh the two, I would say it's probably more of a distraction for students mm -hmm. than it is um, helpful. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd like to pull the teachers to see what they thought about that. Do you think younger teachers would have a different opinion than older teachers? Probably, yeah. yeah. I would think, I mean... The old school teachers probably, I mean, they've embraced technology, obviously. They, you know, they have to at this point. But if it was their choice, I would say they probably would go back as well. The newer teachers, they may not even know any difference between right. the chalkboard and, uh, you know, doing everything and taking notes where everything's very easy for them. I think a middle ground should be established. I just think that, listen, if I was a kid and I had a cell phone or uh, a not Chromebook in front of me, mm -hmm. I'm definitely checking scores or, you know, f f uh, sporting stuff or playing games if I, if right. I could. I mean, geez, that's, uh, that's tough to stay, uh, keep your attention on a lesson that you may not be too, uh, too happy to be learning at the point. Right. And so you said you do think classes are harder now? I think so. Yeah. I think just because there's more material that students know, Right. And they bring it to the classroom and it's like, okay, well, am I expected to know that or not? You know, where I think more class discussions revolve around much more different topics than back when I was in school. Where you had the lesson and you kind of stayed really true to the lesson and you didn't really have many questions. Has there been any really valuable moments in your career that you felt really validated in your job? Every so often, I always tell my colleagues and my, and my, my wife is that you really don't get the, the instant gratification of doing something for a student or listening to a student. It's always years later, sometimes even 10 years later. The most, one of the, one example that I like to use is that I had a football player who really didn't like football too much, but he was a big kid, so everyone expected him to play football. Mm -hmm. Long story short, 
I let him do his thing. You know, he didn't have to come. Sometimes he missed some summer workouts, but it was fine. So he ends up joining the military and he became a special force operator. And I, I don't know where it was, but I got a phone call from his mother about three years ago. And she said, you know, I just want to let you know that um, Adam passed away. But in his will, he had written that he wanted to give your do- a, a pair of dog tags to you. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was amazing. And we spoke for a good hour about it and how he he thought that, you know, I was one of the only people that didn't have the perspective to say, okay, you have to go, go play football, you know, okay. go to college, play football, get a scholarship. And he ended up, you know, unfortunately, you know, he passed away, but he was serving his country. And um, that that moment really sits and resonates with me. Yeah. And, I, and I actually have it on display in my office in a little uh-huh. picture frame. Yeah. So are moments like that, like validating? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I think in the beginning, as a new counselor, you want that instant, like, okay, yeah. you know, I, I hope I help this person. And, and 99% of the job in counseling is just listening sometimes and and just hearing them out. And because a lot of times, especially now, students' voices are not really heard. Everyone's fighting for attention, whether it's between just conversation or on any screen that they're involved with. I think it's... um definitely resonates and I think the experiences come later which is which are awesome do you think like that validation is necessary I don't think so no I think with the years that I've been doing it I just you know you get a sense that you're helping people in all different ways of life at point different points in their life as well so maybe for a new person it's it's you know they need some validation but as a doing this for 20 years it I just you get a sense that you know what you're doing is good for the student. And hopefully they appreciate it at some time. Sometimes right. it takes sooner than later for students to appreciate what we're trying to do and what teachers are trying to do, administrators, and so on. Um, is there anything you think people don't know about counselors? Well, the one thing that I think students may think is that we sit kind of in our office waiting for students to come see us, <laughs> uh, which, you know, which is great and obviously part of our job. But we're doing a lot of other work other than just doing the counseling piece, whether it's college, whether it's um, conflict resolution, whether it's scheduling. You know, there's a lot of different facets to the job. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe that's one thing that I think students may may not understand as much. Is that something you wish they would understand? Yeah. I mean, a lot of times, like, people will walk into the office and say, my colleague who sits, uh, Ms. Jen Wright, who's right next to me, her door's closed or she's out of meeting. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's never here, you know, and I try. So, no, no, she'll be back at 1 o'clock, so don't worry, make an appointment. So I think that's one thing students need to kind of understand is that we are pulled in a lot of different directions. Therefore, we may not be there all the time, but we're here after school every day. You know, some of us getting early, so we're here to help. You know, the best thing that we do is sometimes we, when the bell rings, we stand outside in the hallway and we call the hallway counseling. So it's like the quick little things. Okay, sailor, you know, come see me about your schedule. Come see me about peer leaders. And that that is when we get most of our work done because no matter what anyone says, there's a whiteboard outside our office and we put kids' names on it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that works at all. So uh, it, we use it as our only means. But since we don't have an announcement system here, we call kids down. That's our only source at this point. Okay. So do you think being a high school counselor is, is an underrated job? Um. I don't think it's underrated. I think it's right where it should be. I think people choose the profession because they want to help people and help students. So I think it comes from people that have um, compassion, empathy, and also want to help because maybe they've been down 
these roads and trying to learn from their story to possibly pass it on to, you know, students of this generation and future. Is there anything that you really like doing outside of school? So I like uh, running and biking. Those are two of my two of my hobbies. Um, I got a 1965 Mustang for my 50th birthday, so I've been doing a lot of work on that and just uh, glaring at it in my garage every time I go down there. Um, I have a house that needs a lot of work, so I do projects on my house, and that's fun and rewarding too because after you see the finished project, you say, wow, I actually painted the walls. I actually put a ceiling up. So um, those are things I generally take my time with outside of school. All right. So you're pretty active, it seems like. Yeah, it seems yeah. like that. Yeah, like you guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I sleep well. I get my good seven hours of sleep. Do you see yourself being a high school counselor for the rest of your career? Yeah, I think so. I mean, unless I'm discovered by some talent agency to begin <laughs> the movies, but I don't think that. I think my uh, opportunity has passed. But yeah, I think I'll be retiring from here one day. and um, But definitely, I think this is the profession that I'm going to stick with. Mm. Is there ever moments where, like, oh, what if I could do this? Uh, not really, no. See, I came from the public sector, so a lot of teachers don't understand. So, so say our teachers who have done this their whole life, they don't get, like, summers, you know, the vacation plans of student people that have a regular job. Mm-hmm. So for the amount of time off that we have, it's, uh, it's so such a rewarding job because it yeah. gives you the opportunity to spend time with your family as well as spending time with, you know, at schools. And it's, it just is, um, it's a lot of perks in education. I mean, you're not going to get rich, you know, you're not mm-hmm. going to get, you know, we're not talking buying a home in uh, in Beverly Hills or large modern America, <laughs> but uh, it's, it gives you a lot of leeway to do other things. All right. And if you could do something else, what would it be? Probably something in sports. Like a hitting instructor, that would be cool. Oh yeah, okay. Maybe like assistant coach of special teams in football. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing like top of the, not the manager, not the head coach, but something that is needed, but not in the spotlight. That seems to be something you've been interested in ever since high school. Does your high school self ever wish you would have done that? Nah. No. <laughs> Not really, no. I was a mixed-up kid in high school. Like, I was going in every different direction. So, yeah. yeah, I didn't go to college right out of high school. I had, like, 10 different jobs from from the time I graduated high school to I, till the time I went to college. So in those three years, I did delivered pizza. I worked in a deli. I put carpet down, linoleum tile. So I, I got a sense of what that type of career would be like. And I said to myself, that's not what I really want to do. So the criminal justice piece really was like, wow, I want to work for the FBI. I want to work for the uh, Secret Service. And I lasted for a good four or five years, which I had a good experience with. But then when I realized guidance and counseling uh, was something that I was interested in, since then, it just, I'm still 20 years later, I'm still like getting up every morning and being happy to come to work. So this was all happening in your shell, right? Yes. All right. And then... Do you think because you weren't such an overachiever overachiever in high school, has that affected the way you look at kids who might be struggling a little bit in high school? Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess I could kind of feel for them. I always step back, like if it's something, if I look at a record and a student's been absent or late and unexcused, and I got to take a step back and say, okay, I'm not the disciplinarian here. I got to see what's going on. Because in, in most cases, there's something going on. Uh, and I don't try to fix or solve the problem immediately. Like I said before, it's just really listening sometimes. 
you know, I've, I've had probably the best sessions with students where I maybe said two or three words. And I just let them work it out and just listen. Um, so I think that's something that um, new counselors are hard. It's hard for them to understand that. Because when I was a new counselor, I was like, okay, this is what you need to do. You need to do this. And this is what I did when I was in high school. But it's just a matter of listening and um, trying to get to the bottom of something and especially with the kids like myself in high school, even I coach a sixth grade CYO basketball team and these kids are 10 and 11 years old. And, you know, you try to give them instruction and coaching and they forget and they goof off. And I'll yell every so often, but once again, I step back and say, okay, they're 11. Let me, let me remember when I was that age and what I would be doing. That usually defines the temperament that I have with students or my basketball players. So what made you want to lead peer leaders and tops to transfer orientation program for students? So the peer leaders was something that kind of was given to me where um, it fell on my lap because one of the counselors was leaving. Ms. Holzer was the advisor and she was leaving. And um, I thought it'd be a great opportunity since I wasn't coaching anymore. It was hard for me to get to know students outside of my caseload, right? So coaching, you'd meet everybody. So I figured peer leaders would be a good way to see kids that weren't on my caseload and just get to know them and them get to know me. Um, the tops piece was part of peer leaders that we kind of took on. Um, and we kind of understand that coming to a school like this is very um, challenging yourself. I mean, you went through it. So um, some students handle it great like yourself and some students, you know, the, the transition is tough for some. And I'm sure you had your moments of like, wow, right. what did I do? Why am right. I here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's just um, a good place for us to help the transition as much as we can. Um, and once again, just so they have a familiar face in the hallways. And just, you know, sometimes even just saying hello to somebody like, wow, he knows my name. Or, you know, right. you know something as little as that means a lot to students. So, you know, the, I was, I gave Miss Lickman Midnight Run. So mm -hmm. she, I was doing that as well. And she had a, um, an interest in it. So she's doing that now. But that was another club that I was doing that. Once you get to just to meet other people, you know, I have probably almost 200 kids on my caseload, but now being peer leaders, tops, midnight run, the other things it provided me the opportunity to see all of, you know, our great students here. Well, thank you so much for interviewing oh, you're me welcome. today. Yeah, you were really great. Thank right. you. Thank you, Sailor.